from World Renew, the Office of Social Justice, and the Center for Public Dialogue of the Christian Reformed Church of North America, this is the Do Justice Podcast. Welcome to Do Justice. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Orm. And I'm Vanessa Alvarez. And today we are so thankful to have our friend, our colleague, our brother, Andrew Opong, with us as we dive into a conversation about climate justice, how it intersects our lives, our faith, and how we as followers of Jesus can lend our voices to this cause. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm excited to talk to both of you. Oh man, this is going to be great. We we're excited to have you, um, Andrew. Let's let's start off. Can can you tell us a little bit about yourself? A little bit about your work. Yes. Um, so, as Chris said, I'm Andrew Opon. I'm one of the justice mobilization specialists for the Christian Reformed Church Office of Social Justice. Um, and just to give you a little background on the OSJ, so the uh, Office of Social Justice works to develop a deeper understanding of and response of God's call to let justice flow like a river in both our personal and communal lives, as well as the structures of our society. So we really get into how do we um, pay good witness to our call to let justice flow in our lives and structures of our society. So personally, in my day-to-day work, um, I focus on our climate justice portfolio, which I'll get um, into talking more about that. But I do that as well as our restorative justice portfolio. But our climate portfolio is really channeled through the Climate Witness Project, which is a campaign of the Christian Reformed Church Office of Social Justice and World Renew. Um, And we are set up to work with congregations, individuals, um, organizations to really um, address the issue of climate change. And yeah, I can get more into how all that plays out, but that's sort of like the 30,000 feet of um, the work I do and, and myself. So again, really excited to talk to you all today. Yes, thank you. I love that we're talking about this. The reason why I like talking about it, it's because it's, it's complicated and you, Andrew, have the ability to just simplify it and, and you have so much joy and um, passion about this. And one thing that we're talking about is the Climate Witness Project. Mm-hmm. Why, are, why is it important to have this conversation? Why are you passionate about mm-hmm. this? And why is the CRC and World Renew working together to um, bring awareness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a really great question. So, I think I can I can I my response to this come at different levels. Like even without thinking in the context of faith, just as regular folks, um, just as a human being, it's 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 something that I think we need to care about because this is something that is very universal. Whether you are in Um, the Western Hemisphere, whether you're in the United States here or you're in Bangladesh or East Africa, climate change is something that is affecting everyone and everyone should care about that. That's, that's, That's the operating premise. This is something that affects our lives, affects our generations unborn, um, generations yet to come, and really affects our livelihood in the here and now. So this is something that even without even putting my work hat on or my faith hat on, this is something on a basic human level we need to be talking about and we need to care about. So I think that's that's one, uh, just because of 
how the effects of climate change affect everyone. We all need to be talking about that. But but even looking in the context of 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 my of my work, it's it's something that like like I said, the Christian Reformed Church and World Renew have come together to really um, place this campaign at the forefront of what people of faith um, needs to be doing, and we're doing that because I think we we realize, and I would say the Christian Reformed Church and World Renew realize that people of faith. Uh, particularly Christian, have a unique voice in this conversation. And that is why we're doing this. We have a unique voice because beyond the human level, beyond the, the commonality of we just being humans who need to care about um, the earth we have, there is a moral imposition. And I think that's something that we want to lean into. There is a moral imposition because all through the Bible, all as, we, as, as, as a Christian and as a Christian organization and institution, all through the Bible, we see over and over and over again, a moral call and duty to care for creation, a moral call and duty to steward what we have, our resources on earth. So even on that, without getting in, into the, the weeds and the details, there is a moral imposition on us to be able to care um, for creation. So I think based on that, operating from that imperative and premise, we have the campaign, which is the Climate Witness Project. And, and really, it's to really position people of faith to really tap into the unique voice that we have. Because I think there's all these different like myths and stereotypes and thinking around people of faith um, when it comes to this issue. And, and we want to really say that, no, actually people of faith need to be leading the charge on this, need to be speaking out boldly um, to the issue and the crisis of climate change. So I think these are some of these different motivations and we can go back as to our sort of synodical statements and governing statements that really usher us into this work where Synod, which uh, for folks of you who do not are not too familiar with the CRC, is the governing body of the CRC, and it made statements clearly um, talking about the issue of climate change as a moral, ethical, social justice issue that yeah. churches and people of faith need to be addressing. So th this is why we care about this issue. This is why we are passionate about this issue because, on a basic human level, you need to care on a level of being a person of faith, um, particularly a Christian, you cannot, you cannot read the Bible and you cannot say you want to live your faith tangibly when you don't really live into stewardship, when you don't live into caring for your neighbor. And I think that's one quick point I wanna make here is beyond um, stewardship, beyond caring for the earth, there is such an intimate connection to caring for your neighbor, which, which, which is, tied into our big commandment like it's like what do you do love your god your lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself mm -hmm. and so when it comes to the issue of the climate crisis i don't know how you can tell me you're living out tangibly your faith to care about your neighbor when your actions here are i don't know causing bangladesh to be flooded where two-thirds of the population right now in bangladesh are really facing a crisis of flooding due to climate change. So I think we there are so many things we need to think about in expanding who, who we call a neighbor um, and what that really means in the context of faith. So that's, that's just a few motivations behind why we do what we do, so. 
I love, okay, you almost went into a sermon, Andrew. <laughs> you, you, should that, pass, you should pass around the offering bowl so I can yes, take Yes, I felt that, yes. Offering. <laughs> it, not only, not on, I don't say that just um, in a negative tone at all. I felt like, I felt convicted in a way too, like, wow, it is more than just what is happening in my town, in my mm-hmm. state, in my country what I do affects people all around the world. And so you just, you just opened my mind to that. And it's like, wow, made me reflect, okay, what is, what am I truly doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And that maybe I should listen and really care. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you saying that. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm, you know, we we all know what is going on on the west coast um exactly we mm, we see yeah. the wildfires andrew i'm wondering uh, just as a follow up uh to what um to what we've been talking about so far um we we talk about uh climate change or creation care or climate mm. justice and it's typically in a north american context that conversation centers around uh the economic impact Mm -hmm. or the economics of the situation Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. what i heard you say was that this is this is a justice issue because it is the most vulnerable people who are more the most deeply affected can you say a little more about that like what does that look like how does that play out like Mm -hmm. you know because yeah maybe maybe some of us just haven't heard you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and i i I appreciate you making that point chris because i think we always say, and, and, and I love one of my social justice warriors and, 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 and favorite is Brian Stevenson. And he always say, proximity matters. Yes. Proximity to issues matter. So sometimes when we have, I don't know, the Atlantic Ocean separating us from maybe what's happening in East Africa, we, we are not able to bring it home and we're not able to put faces to the stories. And so what, what the point I like to say is our actions matter. What we do here matter. It resonates around the world. And and again, trying to shape the conversation. Who is our global neighbor? And 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 these people. And and when we come to Western nations and advanced developed nations, most of the brunt of climate change is faced by developing countries and nations who do not contribute as much to global emissions. So now that's the the other part of it. And they pay. The, the significant brunt of that. So if crops are dying um, and not yielding in East Africa and farmers in East Africa are, commuting, are committing suicide as a result of that, as someone who sits here in North America, how, how do you reconcile yourself with that? When kids and, and families are being relocated because of the flooding happening in Bangladesh, how do you, how do you sort of reconcile yourself with that? So I think we really need to, again, that's why I said we need to reconfigure what we define as neighbor. Mm-hmm. And we truly need to know about the vulnerable. The, and, and again, back to the Christian lens and, and faith perspective, that is what we're called to do, uh, to really, really stand up for those vulnerable. But one quick thing you mentioned, Chris, I think I want to um, sort of do some myth busting here with the, the, the point you were trying to make. There's almost this shift here in North America when we talk about the issue of climate change where it becomes a dichotomy of, oh, well, the economy and sustainability. Almost like it's an either-or situation that if you choose to be sustainable and, and be cautious about climate change, then you are foregoing the economy or, or vice versa. There's almost this weird and I think false dichotomy that is presented. 
But the truth is, green jobs and innovation spurs the economy. There is, there, there is renewable sources of energy over the last, I don't know, 15 years um, in, here in America has been growing at a very good rate. Right now, during this whole COVID um, epidemic, some of these sort of renewable sources of energy, like wind, solar, have really been employing a lot of people and generating a lot of um, um, sort of revenue into the economy. So again, it, I always say when I talk to people and I, and, and I try to really move the needle on this conversation, I say, you don't have to choose between sustainability and the economy. They go mm -hmm. hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Green jobs and innovation provide even better and sustainable job opportunities and boost to the economy than reverting back to, 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 to coal and natural gas. So I think that's, and, and again, this whole conversation comes in when people like me and other climate justice um, folks are working on this. This is why we use the language of just transition. We know we need to move from, from our reliance on, 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 on coal and natural gas right now and our dependence on fossil fuels. But we know there are families and people who are dependent on that. We know that there are families whose jobs and livelihood are connected to fossil fuels right now. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that is why we need to justly transition. We need to make sure we transition, keeping in mind that these families um, have, have, have people they need to take care of. So again, in the whole conversation, I feel like there's so much misinformation and myth mm -hmm. around what people need to understand and i always say you know we don't need to choose between sustainability and for our future and the economy we can have both and that is why we need to transition safely and justly from our dependence on fossil fuels to renewable sources of energy which is a growing market here all the research and statistics show that so again i always say i always tell people and, and I, this has been my mantra multiple things can be true at the same time we we always keep ourselves in binary and it's like eat this or that but no things can go hand in hand so i really appreciate that that follow-up question because i think it get at the heart of how there's so much different controversy so to speak around the the mm. the, the issue and we need to dispel those myths for people to really know what's going on so yeah yeah no i and you know like i think we've all kind of those of us who've been tracking with the discussion uh, around climate justice and creation care, you know, we've heard that dichotomy presented mm -hmm. to us and it's, it's so refreshing and liberating to hear you say that's a false dichotomy. Like it's it not really an either is. or we can, we can have both, you yep. know? So, so thank you, man. Oh, um, so you mentioned earlier, like, the question, one of the guiding principles, like, well, how am I going to engage this? It's climate. It's such mm -hmm. a huge topic, but you, you took it to like this really like nugget of a point. Isn't he say, great at doing that? So good. <laughs> I've been told that. I hope I can hone in on that skill. Yeah. I, I like it because honestly, I always say some things are seemingly complex, but if you strip it down at the heart of it, sometimes they're very simple. So mm -hmm. anyway, but yes. Yeah, no, like I just... Um, you know, and when you said like the, 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 who is my neighbor question, how do I be like, how do I be a good neighbor? And that's, a, you know, the, the answer to that question as Jesus presented it in the gospels is like, mm -hmm. whoever is there is your neighbor. Yes. So 
I want to shift the conversation now because, you know, we know the majority of our listeners are connected to communities of faith. They're churchgoers. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are CRCNA folks and, uh, and beyond uh, mm-hmm. the CRC as well. Um, but, you know, practically, what does this look like in our churches? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. how, do, how do we engage this? How do we how do we live this out, and what commitments can we make as communities of faith? Definitely. Um, so, in in living this practically, I think that's why I'm very passionate and very like affirming of the work we do as the Climate Witness Project because we operate around four key pillars of principle. So we have worship, a worship pillar, education, energy stewardship, and advocacy. Now. It's not random that we have those four pillars. It's very intentionally crafted because those are our gateways into these different churches. Now, how we how we sort of see this play out in congregation. So we, like I said, we we have these different pillars and, and we have different churches who are looking for ways to, they might be on a spectrum, like a one to a 10. Some, some people have heard about the issue of climate change. They don't know how to go about it. Or some people have heard about it, but they don't know what to do. So we have a spectrum of our congregations and different levels of engagement. Now, we, we go into the church and, and we, we usually do our climate workshop, our climate justice workshop, where we introduce the 30,000 feet. Um, with our congregation, uh, whether that's a Sunday school group, uh, whether that's like the full congregation, we present that to them. And then we we typically sort of use a model of our pillar to be the gateway into the church. Now, we are not in like, for instance, if, if, if like LaGrave CRC or I don't know, any CRC, just name it, we are not in that church 24-7. In order for us to really live help the congregation live this out like anything else there needs to be significant buy-in from stakeholders in the church so that is where creation care teams are very necessary to how we live this out in congregations we typically have a lot of um creation care teams that come together that seek us out and say hey i want you guys to come speak to our congregation on this issue now when we leave, we, we are hoping that the creation care team can really move along and present resources and change the culture of the church. So, for instance, if a church really wants to start understanding the biblical imperatives of climate change, well, we have our worship pillar. Our worship pillar has liturgies, sermons, preaching challenges on creation care, a whole host of um, reformed um, resources that has been curated by our really respected team of theologians who have really put in a lot of time to help folks understand these biblical foundations. So we do our presentation and looking at the church, we say, okay, this church will really start with worship. How does how do we empower worship leaders and pastors and preachers to start talking about this? Because the first step to moving the needle on this conversation is ding 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 talk about it like Mm -hmm. talk about the issue so that is one of the 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 pillars that we use now another way of trying to live this out practically in a church is again yes we go in we have these presentations we have these workshops with them most churches are trying to really look at ways where they can cut down cost because to run a church, obviously, you want, you want to be physically responsible. And so even a church that I would say might be very ambivalent or even sort of 
oppositional to our message, they want to cut down costs. Cutting down costs doesn't matter whether you believe climate change is real or not. You want mm -hmm. to cut down costs. So again, energy stewardship, which is our pillar, comes in to help you. We're connected with so many partners and coalitions who offer resources like free energy audits with houses of worship. So we partner with um, different NGOs here um, in West Michigan around where we have um, really great um, folks who do this work and we offer them those resources. So again, that is a way where we offer like free energy audits. You come in and then you get an audit for your church and then you look at ways that you can save money. So these are different ways where we sort of engage and use our pillars to really live this out tangibly. And I, I am very excited to have seen this work out in so many ways. Yep. Yeah, thank you for making it so practical. Like, as we said, it's so big and it can be overwhelming, mm -hmm. but now you've made it practical. Mm -hmm. And I, I would love to hear just a highlight uh, from you, mm -hmm. something that's really stuck out that you saw it come to flourishing. You, you, like you said, a resource, a church said, okay, we get it. We want to uh, make a positive change. We want to change our ways. We want to think about our neighbors. What is one example that you can say, yes, I know this specific community or church did it and mm -hmm. this is what they got out of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that is what keeps me moving in this work because when we see those success stories. So yeah. for instance, um, last last fall, we had over 20 churches here in West Michigan wow. um, partner with us to, to, to use composting. So we partnered with um, uh, a local organization here that was um, um, organic cycle that was providing composting to churches at a discount. So we we worked with them and we had 20 churches. I think that, and that you can sometimes you can barely move one decision through council in a church and you have 20 churches like coming together and using this wow. resource. That was a huge highlight um, to see. And another quick example is that one of our partner churches who um, changed the way they serve communion. Um, by moving away from single-use plastics in their communion service um, to, to really using like other like glass. And so it was a huge change of culture because you have people who are very excited about doing something over and over again. They get used to it and you are changing a whole culture. So for us to see that tangible ways where culture is changing a church and they move towards sustainability is like my highlight. It's my jam. So uh, those are just a couple of highlights we've done that really speaks to the work we're doing. So, so great, man. Uh, yeah. You've given yeah. us just so much to to chew on here, and and I love hearing that. Like, there's there's buy-in, and there's that sense mm -hmm. of urgency, and mm -hmm. there's action. Um, we're 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 coming to a close here. Mm -hmm. uh, we got a few minutes left, though, and I just want to. I just want to give those minutes to you. Um, you know, tell us what's the call to action. Tell us where can people go to connect with your work. How can people get involved? Uh, this is yeah, this is your time to just uh, you know what's the, what's the pressing thing. Just say it. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So one quick what? Well, first of all, I would say if you want to get connected, just go into Google Climate Witness Project, you would see mm -hmm. us pop up and sign up as a Climate Witness Partner. Once you sign up, we get you plugged in and connected to all these different resources and opportunities that I was talking about. But I think I want to use this time um, to really center the message that, again, people of faith, um, which, which is predominantly our listeners, have a unique position 
right now to really be able to be leaders on this conversation. Um, and so I would encourage us to really lean into that. Again, what is that moral call and obligation that we have to be good neighbors and to steward the, the, the resources we have? But one other point I wanted to make is that we really need to lean into advocacy because mm. it's, it's so easy for us to always think about individual actions and what we can do, which is great. I think individual actions are great for us to be able to do so. Um, whether you are driving, I don't know, an electric car, whether you're vegan, whatever you do, that's great. But the majority of the issue rest on systemic change, on structural change. And so this is why we really lean into advocacy. And this is why part of our work and part of our pillar, one of them is advocacy. We meet with representatives and elected officials to really say, hey, the faith community is watching. We really want you to move the needle because we can do all the things. Um, look at what's happening on the West Coast right now in, in, in the U.S. Like, and it's funny that it's on the West Coast where majority of them are driving electric cars, are vegan, are doing all these individual actions. But look at the consequence of climate change making these wildfires like go on them. So mm -hmm. the point is, it is individual action, yes, but if I was quantifying it, that would be like 30% of what needs to be done. A huge chunk of it is legislation, structural changes with policies. That is the only way where we can overhaul the system because i think sometimes we put too much the burden on individuals like you need to change this you need to cut down on this but no huge in order for us to really make a difference we need to be able to have our system the rules of our system need to be able to facilitate change and so we can do all the individual actions go vegan drive electric cars i don't know like all the things you can think of but if the system we are participating in is reinforcing all these negative practices, then we're not going to, it will just be a drop in the bucket. So my, my sort of clarion call to everyone listening is talk to your, your, your members of Congress, talk to your elected officials, talk to, to people in parliament. You need to let them know that they need to legislate and put in policies to really help us. Because at the end of the day, that is what matters right now. We can do all the individual practices, but if we do not have buy-in in a legislative way and policy way, we really are not going to move the needle. So that is just my hot take on that. Um, but I really, I really do feel like that is where we need to push the conversation. So I am very, very um, grateful, uh, again, to, to really be here with you all. And I encourage folks to really, again, back to the, what I started with, who is your neighbor? If you can really reflect on that, I think we will see shifts in our lives and even structurally in our society. So, wow, that's a drop a mic situation. <laughs> I, well, I wish I had the mic to literally drop it here, but yeah. <laughs> that is awesome, Andrew. It was. I wish we could talk a lot longer. You are so again passionate. Hey, you guys can always have me back. Invite me. <laughs> yes. <again>. You just. <laughs> Yeah, you just don't talk the talk, you walk the walk. You truly believe that this is important and that this is what God is calling us to do. So again, I just appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, to meet with us, um, and just thank you for who you are. Thank you for um, doing this work. It's not easy and it's complicated and I'm sure you get a lot of pushback. So thank you for standing firm and um, standing with us too as CRCNA and, and uh, World Renew. So um, I would love to just wrap it up and 
read the scripture that um, is mentioned in Micah 6, 8, where it says to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Andrew, you have definitely humbled me listening to the call of who is my neighbor. Um, so again, thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Um, thank you for thinking about this hot topic, being willing to listen to this podcast might have been even controversial for yourself, but your boldness and your courage, we just want to say we see you, we thank you, and we hope and pray that you live out Micah 6, 8. The Do Justice podcast is produced and edited by World Renew in partnership with the Office of Social Justice and Center for Public Dialogue of the Christian Reformed Church of North America. Our opening theme was written by Quetzalcantla. Transitions provided by Valentin Sosnitsky. Until next time, remember that the Lord is righteous, he loves justice, and the upright will see his face.